This is the Journey 66 Book Writing Podcast. I'm Melissa Parks with Dave Getz, and we are your road trip advisors. You may be at mile marker one and just thinking about an idea for a book, or maybe you've gone off-road in your writing and you want to restart the journey. Join Dave and me as we help you buckle up and write. American book editor Maxwell Perkins, best remembered for discovering authors Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald, knows a thing or two about discouragement in writing. He once said, if you are not discouraged about your writing on a regular basis, you may not be trying hard enough. Any challenging pursuit will encounter frequent patches of frustration. Writing is nothing if not challenging. While it's difficult to hear that the writing journey isn't and won't be a breeze, Mr. Perkins' words should offer some comfort. If you're writing and discouraged, that means you're a writer. The mystery and what causes us the most angst is why does it seem to pop up out of nowhere? Dave and I today want to encourage you. Discouragement is normal. And we also want to offer some insights into the source of writer's discouragement so you don't think you're alone and continue to move forward. Dave, I'm excited about our conversation today because I so often am discouraged as a writer. But before we tell our personal stories and delve into the topic, let's talk about where we've made progress this week. And you can go first. Well, I tell you what, I am really excited about some progress I made with our Road Trippers membership coaching community that we're building. And I am working on the back end, the infrastructure. So when we actually launch this uh, in May, we're going to launch this uh, $66 a month membership coaching community. And, and so there's a lot of work between now and then. A lot of it is the infrastructure, the back end, kind of the plumbing of what you get and how you see it and how you view it. So I just the last six or seven days, I made huge progress. And the biggest thing is I just got started on it. And once I started working on it, I started to chip away. Now I still have a, a huge mountain to climb, but in this moment, on this sunny day, I am feeling really, really motivated and energized. So I feel great. Hey, I want to hear about you. What progress have you made? I learned how to say no. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> and it, it came as a result of the owner of Warehouse 55, where I sell vintage, he's opening up a second shop in the city in the design district, which I know is going to be a huge success. And it will be a place where um, designers will come and probably pay top dollar for vintage items. And he wants me to open up a second space there. And at first I'm like, yes, I want to do that. And then I was talking over with my husband, Jerry, just about what that would mean. And I barely can keep on top of one booth given, you know, Journey 66 and my work with you, Dave. So I'm like, I, I just can't do a second space. And so Mark, yesterday I was speaking with him and he was really pressuring me. And I said, no, I just don't think I can do that. So I think that's progress saying no to something, even though I want to do it, it's just not the right timing. So maybe down the road, but I think I know my capacity right now. <laughs> well, there is an art to doing that. I, there is, uh, uh, I mean, you got to protect your soul at some point too, right? Because then it stops being fun. I know that you get so much energy from your Instagram postings and the community that you've built there. And also for the hunt, what you call the quest. Yes. The uh, quest. Elevate the everyday. 
and you know, you just went on a trip this last weekend. So I don't know. I, I think saying no is a good thing, but it, you're right. It doesn't mean forever. Right. Well, I know that you, with your podcast, um, Two Guys in a River, you had to say no at one point. And it's hard when you have to step away with some, from something that you enjoy. So, okay. So let's dig into this topic of discouragement. And we promise we're not going to be downers. Really, we want you to leave feeling motivated and encouraged. But we want to start off this conversation by defining what discouragement is. Dave, do you want to do that? All you have to do is Google this definition, but it's this idea of a loss of confidence or enthusiasm and this sense of, this is kind of a, a more clunky word, but a, a sense of dispiritness. So it's like you're being emptied out of this energy that you have for whatever it is you're focused on. Sometimes it's life itself, right? But then sometimes for us, we're talking about today something really specific, which is writing. And so I just think it's this loss of confidence. And I think it ebbs and flows. That's part of the natural flow. Of, it's, it's what it means to be a human, I think. Yeah, I love actually that word dispiritedness because spirit is, in my mind, something that's associated with life. And so dispiritedness means just kind of this lack of life, something that's just weighing you down. And in our road trippers group, which meets weekly, we often have writers who come in discouraged on a variety of levels. They haven't made progress that they thought they should be making. They feel like their idea isn't good. They are just overwhelmed by moving forward. So discouragement is real with the authors that we work with. But I do think it's normal, and I think that is the first point that we're making here, is that discouragement is normal without wallowing in it and going deep into that. I think that's really, really important. In fact, I don't think, I don't think you can be, I don't think you can make progress in anything, whether it's snowboarding, whether it's writing, whether it's fly fishing, whether it's learning how to build your social media following without having discouragement. So I don't know if that's comforting to anybody, probably won't be, <laughs> but it is, it's part of the whoop and wolf of life, I think. Right. It goes back to the point of this quote, which he ends by saying, any challenging pursuit will encounter frequent patches of frustration. Writing is nothing if not challenging. And I think the challenge is you're always trying to get to that next step and when you are always reaching for the next step, there are going to be new things that you're learning along the way, new obstacles that you have to overcome. And so I like, like you said, with snowboarding, I mean, there's always a skill that you can improve upon, right? And there's always, or maybe you're just having a bad day and you have to go back to the basics, but anything that's challenging, any challenging pursuit has frequent patches of frustration. That's part of the human experience, like you were saying. I like what he says when he says, hey, if you're not coming up against roadblocks and or ergo discouragement, you really are probably writing regularly. And so that actually is quasi hopeful. If you are going, if you are going through a rough patch right now, that's normal. And I think we need to just uh, say that really clearly up front here. And I realize uh, we have much more to say in the topic, but I do think we need to say, Hey, it's part of the journey. And we at, at road trippers, we always talk about that, you know, we're making this trip on Route 66 from Chicago to Santa Monica, and on Route 66 journey. And there are a lot of stops and starts along the way. <laughs> right. 
some of those stops are because you get discouraged and you can't get back on track. So if you are discouraged today, we want to help you get back on track. So so let's talk about the reasons for discouragement. And there are many. The one that I want to lead with, because it's something I'm so familiar with, is comparison. When you start to compare your writing to someone else's or what somebody else is working on um, and what you're not working on. Just a few weeks ago, I was working on an article. And earlier that day, I had read something that one of my friends who's a writer wrote. And it was just so beautiful. And it was her style of writing, but it really captured my imagination. And so I went to write my article and I was struggling to lay down sentences. And I wrote her a, a direct message and said, I hate my writing. I'm such a terrible writer. I want to write like you. And that really did nothing for me in the moment to move me forward. But I was in a really <laughs> discouraging moment because I went into the writing thinking, I want to write like Linda. And it, you know, whenever you try to do that, then you're you're going to be discouraged because you aren't Linda. I'm not Linda. I can't write like Linda. So anyway, what about you, Dave? Have you ever compared yourself or wished that you wrote a certain way? Or have you ever, has discouragement ever come by way of comparison? I think it's constant. I really do. I, I was talking actually to an editor friend the other day. We were on a walk again. We walk often and he was talking about somebody that they had published who had not sold as many books as I did. And I was like, so why are you so interested in that person? And Ooh. I know, it, you know, and so and I know why it's because she is um, a professor at a, at an Ivy league school and in her books have sold half of what my first book sold. Right. So, and, and so you, you, whatever mile marker you are on the journey, if you haven't written yet, then you compare yourself with someone who already is, if you have, or already has, if you have, if you have written then you maybe look to other people who have either not self published, they published with a traditional publisher, or maybe they've had three books and you've only published one, or maybe one of their books is, has, has sold a lot. I mean, I, I do think comparison is a source of discouragement. And I think it's a, man, it's a curse because if you can't step out of that, it totally locks you up for writing and, and really doing what you have been called to do. That is such a huge point. If you compare your journey to someone else's, I am thinking of a friend who has an incredible book topic and somebody else is going to is writing on the topic as well, who has more experience writing a book. And it was hugely discouraging for that person to think, how am I ever going to sell my book when a professional writer who has already published lots of books is going to write on the same topic? How can I compare? And I think that that is something that can really cause you to go off road. But your journey is unique and you cannot be comparing yourself to somebody who's further along and your audience is unique and your life experience is unique. So what you write is going to be different than anybody else's book. I think that's one way to frame, frame it when you're facing that sort of discouragement. So what else? So discouragement, it can be a result of comparison and discouragement can also be a result of just other areas of your life spinning out of control. Maybe you've had a family crisis. Maybe um, you are having something done to your house and it's like chaos all around you. Maybe you're feeling behind in other areas of your life. Maybe your kids have a lot going on and it's just like you can't find time to actually sit down and write. So what are some other areas where your life is spinning out of control and can lead to discouragement, Dave? 
I think if you're going through financial crisis, and I know that during the pandemic, some people have gone through that, or at least financial uncertainty, and that can create a stress that you uh, transfer into your writing. So what we're talking about here are uh, these other areas of your life that are actually feeding the discouragement, and it's not specifically about your writing, and yet you are discouraged about your writing. So in a sense, this other stuff bleeds into your, uh, your sense of confidence about your writing. So I think financial stress, uh, I think anytime you have loss in your family, I have a good friend of mine who just lost his mom. And, and that is just, and it was really quick. I mean, it happened so quickly. They just discovered that the cancer drug that she was on, she was actually doing well from the cancer, but the cancer drug had caused irreparable uh, damage to her lungs. So all of a sudden she couldn't breathe. And two days later, she was gone or three days later. So but that created enormous stress for that family, right? Not just the activities surrounding what you need to do to get a funeral uh, put together in a time of pandemic, but just the sense of loss. And I think other areas like that can really, really affect how you think about your writing. Here would be another one. I think another one is if you're at a point in which your kids are making that transition, for example, they all are going off to college or maybe they have moved away. These big transitions really bleed into discouragement about writing. And I think, you I, you know, I don't know what the solution is other than it's just to be aware that it's probably not your writing. It's about these larger issues. One strategy that I use because I'm a highly emotional person. And so when I get overwhelmed and everything around me feels dark, like I'm a terrible writer, I'm a terrible, just terrible at everything I'm doing, right? I mean... I have to stand back <laughs> and evaluate my emotional well-being and say, what's really causing this emotional turmoil? And usually I can point to something other than the thing that I'm discouraged about. So I have to objectify it and I have to say, okay, what's real, that sadness out there? What is that really being caused by or that discouragement, that, that feeling that's kind of bleeding into everything else and making me feel like a failure? So sometimes that can be done through journaling. Sometimes it can just be through taking a step back in a quiet room and just thinking through it or talking with a friend even. I think another source of discouragement is the result of feedback, direct feedback to your writing. And I can tell you, uh, having spent my life writing and my whole career writing, if you do that, you're, if you're in publishing or writing on a regular basis, it's one, it's one steady stream of feedback. And it's always negative. <laughs> Can you rewrite this? And no, we don't like this. Or we, you get somebody who doesn't even respond to you. I remember after Death by Suburb, I had another idea for a book. And my publisher, even though the book had sold well, did not sell enough for what they wanted. And I wasn't really discouraged about that. I thought, ah, it won't be a problem at all to find a publisher. So uh, I, I actually landed an agent and we shopped the book around. We did find one publisher that really was interested in the book, but the ones that I, I really wanted to publish were not, publish the book were not interested. In fact, I got a, uh, I got a, um, a comment on one of the manuscripts. The editor said at that point, I've been writing for 20 years, right? And I just published Death by Suburb a couple of years earlier. And she said, I don't like his writing. <laughs> Yikes. It was, it was, it, it was, yeah, it was like, whoa. And so that kind of specific feedback can be discouraging. At some point, I just said, yep, you're right. 
you may not like my writing, but fortunately, you know, you're one person <laughs> and right. I was able to, to work through it, but it was discouraging for a while. So I do think writing can be, the feedback from writing can be really, really discouraged. And I think, although you have to expect it and you actually should embrace it because it, what's, it's what makes you better, the worst thing is never to have any feedback at all. That's Absolutely. the worst thing, right? I mean, that means you're writing in a vacuum. I also think that as humans, we tend to focus on the negative and not the positive. So even if you're getting a few positive comments, those negative comments or constructive criticism can eclipse the positive stuff that somebody has said also. So I think you need to step back and say, you know, does this criticism mean that this person thinks that everything is bad or that they think I'm a bad writer? No, there's probably some good stuff too, either that they just didn't have time to remark on or maybe you didn't ask them specifically for positive feedback. Usually when you ask for feedback, people give you negative. But you have to realize that the negative feedback, there's probably a lot of positive feedback too. And so you've got to work to focus on that as well. Uh, we often say this, but and we said this in our, our online course, but often when I will send something to somebody and they don't say anything positive, they don't really say anything negative, but it triggers a story. So it's almost as if they start talking about what you just wrote, but they kind of don't even talk about that. They actually, well, you know, I was just thinking the other day and this, this, this triggered a thought and they're, they're off on this story. So you get no feedback at all, positive or negative, but actually it's really good feedback because it had triggered an emotion and it triggered a memory. And that actually, to spin it, <laughs> if you didn't get any feedback, but got a story, that's a really positive thing. I have to go back to my husband's philosophy. He always says that if something isn't broken, he's not going to comment on it. He only comments on the broken stuff. So there are some people that are just more naturally critical. He's an engineer. So of course he's, he's paid to fix problems. Right. But, <laughs> but it really think about who you're asking for feedback and realize that just may be their bent, you know, and they may have some positive things back there, but they're not going to comment on the positive stuff. That's the nature of feedback. And and in part of, of learning to be a writer is learning to live into that. A lot of the big writers have have and, and really had thin skin. And I think there are some that really appreciate an editor and will respond to that. There's others that really struggle with feedback. I think it's maybe it's part of the artiste mm -hmm. uh, mindset and, and who we are as writers and, and creators. But uh, yeah, I so I see the discouragement, and I do think that's very specific. Uh, the more specific it is, the discouragement, I think in some ways, the easier it is to, to work around it and to move on from it. So we should probably turn in this moment and really talk about some of the positive ways um, we can take discouragement and still move forward. So Journey 66 and our Road Trippers membership is all about staying on the road. And so much of writing is staying on the road. So what are some ways that we can uh, keep writing and keep moving, even though we're going through a bout or a season of, of uh, discouragement? I don't want to self-promote because that isn't the purpose of this podcast, but I do think that there is huge benefit in being commu in community with other people on the journey who can identify with that feeling of, yeah, I didn't write this week or yeah, it's been, you know, weeks since I've written and yeah, I 
don't think I have anything good to say. When you're surrounded by people like that who are on the same trip that you are of writing a book, it can be hugely beneficial because you don't feel so isolated. So find a writer's group and one that is supportive as well as fruitful in giving feedback. When you hear somebody say, I was so discouraged this week, I didn't get anything written. I didn't make any progress. That simple admission, you go, oh, so this is this is back to the normal thing. So other writers' experiences, you go, yep, that's, that's exactly right. So uh, you're right about community. I think that's a big thing. Another, another important piece, if you're discouraged, and I can go either way, sometimes you just need to take a break. I remember talking to one of the members in our Road Trippers group, and she said that she took off, uh, was it a year I think it was a year of writing. She wrote a first draft and had so much craziness in her life that she said, I just, I can't do anything. She took a year off or a year and a half off and picked it up after that. And that can give you fresh perspective for one. Sometimes you just get so mired in it and the, the book becomes like this monster and just looking at it creates this 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 menacing discouragement like oh I'm never going to be able to get through this and if you have a lot going on in your life you know maybe it's time to just take a break and get some fresh perspective maybe some new stories will pop up maybe some new experiences will feed what you're where you're stuck so you can move forward that taking a break is beneficial absolutely there was there was an old bumper sticker growing up on the redneck pickup trucks in North Dakota and it had something to do as a riff off this uh, sentimental line, like, if if you love something, set it free and it will return back to you. <laughs> and then and and the bumper sticker was, if you love something, set it free. And if it doesn't come back to you, hunt it down and kill it. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That's kind of dark, right? Especially as you think about a relationship, I don't think it was talking about a relationship, but it was it was just a riff off of that, right? Classic. Uh, is it okay to say redneck? I I think so. I don't I, even know if that's a correct saying. It was a it was a bumper sticker on a truck that I I did not support. Let's just put it that way. But yeah. but I I do think <laughs> I don't know why that triggered the thought. I do think though by stepping away from a project, it can be a really really good moment because I know you're thinking, well, what if I never return to it? That might be one thought. And the and you have to live with that because if you don't, you probably didn't have the passion for it. And there was a reason why you stopped and you need to listen to that. But most likely it will it will circle back to you. And I can remember with Death by Suburb, I I had that publisher and then I I basically fired the publisher. And at that point it was another four years, I believe, before I actually published the book. And during that time, I didn't know I was ever going to be able to publish it again. And I was okay to let it go, though. And I think that's a really important emotion and that you say, okay, I need to take a break. If this never gets published, that's okay. I think you're going to be surprised when you circle back to that and realize no, I really do feel passionate about this. And I have a completely different perspective, as you say, and a lot of energy for this project. Absolutely. You said you could go one of two ways. And I think the other way is rather than taking a break is you just work harder and you just keep writing, which 
builds momentum, right? I mean, sometimes you are discouraged because you have writer's block and you think you have nothing valuable to say. And the only way to overcome that is to keep writing until you put some beautiful words on paper and some great ideas on paper and and you find your voice and you find that rhythm of writing again. And sometimes the only way to find writing is to write. My son, Corey, uh, who's our third child, he plays lacrosse in college. And he started his first year on the team, but the team got a lot better by his sophomore year. And so his sophomore year, he really struggled and he is struggling and he's not starting. He's not playing as much. He came home uh, from college not long ago. and I could tell he was really, really down. And in those moments when you're discouraged, you've lost your confidence he was such a great wrestler in high school. He won conference in high school is ranked in the state of Illinois. And so going into lacrosse and not starting and not being the best on the team or even good enough to start this year has been so discouraging for him. And I wanted to, I had to be really, really careful to him. But I, at one point I said, Corey, you can only control what you can control. You can't Mm. control the coach and you can only control your own skills. So if the coach thinks you need more skills and you need to be the guy that is, you know, spending two hours afterwards working on your, you know, your drills that you need to do. And only you can do that. And only you can control that. And you can't control the outcome. So that's a little bit of a, you know, a pump up your sneakers, sports, uh, rah, rah, rah. Yeah. (laughs) It's pep talk. But I do think it applies in the sense when you are discouraged, you are tempted to stop. Maybe you need to do that, but maybe you just need to keep writing. I think back to my early days with Instagram and all these skills that I didn't have that I knew I needed to be successful on Instagram. And I compare myself to these bigger accounts with better photos and bigger following. And and some days were really discouraging and I thought like just stopping, but I was pretty passionate about it. And so I kept on going and I learned how to take better pictures and I learned ways to engage the community in fresh ways. So it was one of those instances where I decided I'm going to lean into this and just work harder and develop new skills to, to, to rise to the top and keep going. So I think there is merit in that. You just, sometimes you just have to work harder. Maybe, you know, you don't know how to say something because you've never said it before and you've got to work on a new style of writing and just, and that's going to be a breakthrough that only happens when you're writing consistently. I can't imagine what it was like for you just starting out on Instagram, building your followers having one follower, having 10 followers. Since you and I work together uh, every day for the last 20 years, uh, so I would hear the story like you've plateaued. Well, you plateaued at 5,000. And I don't know that I heard that you were discouraged, but you, you couldn't figure out or you'd say, you know what? Instagram just changed its algorithm again. And now I'm not showing up or now my I'm not getting as many comments. My engagement's down. And there is something about just this stinking persistence. And there, there's actually the word resilient. Uh, people use that a lot. And I, I don't like the word because I like a better word that uh, Nassim Talib used called anti-fragile. And he says it's, it's much more robust and much better word. He came up with the word to be a foil to the word fragile. So if you're not fragile, 
the antithesis of fragile is not really resilient or resilience. The antithesis of fragile is anti-fragile. He said, I couldn't find a word that was the opposite of fragile. So he came up with the word. But one of the characteristic uh, characteristics of the word anti-fragile or someone or something that's anti-fragile is this notion that they get stronger under suffering or difficult circumstances, or as we're talking about, as you get discouraged, you become more determined, you become more intentional, you become even more ready to make it happen no matter what. So I do think I love the idea of anti-fragile, and it's definitely something I aspire to in my writing. It goes back also to the feedback. you got to be anti-fragile with feedback. Because that's the purpose of feedback is to make your writing stronger. Absolutely. That is a fresh way of looking at it, Dave. I love that. Another idea to fight discouragement is to work on something else. Maybe continue writing, but write about something else. Maybe you write a newsletter article. Maybe you write a blog post. Maybe you do a few short Instagram posts like I do. It's just this idea is to supercharge the writing juices, get the writing juices flowing. And that sometimes can make you feel like, oh, I, I am I am a writer. I can write. Even if you pursue something with intensity that is not writing, I think that's good too. Maybe you decide uh, I'm going to get in shape and I'm going to work out three times a week or four times a week, or I'm going to buy a new bike and start to bike more, or I'm whatever the new activity is, I think working on something else is a great way to restore your energy, to knock back the discouragement and get back on the writing road. One final way that I think you can begin to battle discouragement, and of course there are many more, so we'd love to hear what some of those are from you. But one of another way is to to journal. Maybe you're not exactly sure of why you're discouraged. And maybe you can just do some unstructured journaling about what you're feeling, why you're feeling, when it started. And that may release you from that discouragement. I had a friend do this recently and she said it was really helpful. What what kind of things would she journal? Was it emotions? Was it descriptions of her day? Was it just random thoughts? What did she actually write on the on the pages? So she wrote down what she was feeling first. She started with the place of just this deep discouragement. And then she just began to explore when it started, what it meant to overcome the discouragement. What would it mean to overcome the discouragement? What would it mean to stay stuck in the discouragement? I think it also helped reveal just some other stuff that was going on in her life that was actually just fueling this sense of futility and feeling overwhelmed. So I think that you get at the roots of stuff like we were talking about earlier. Maybe there's some emotional stuff going on in your life that you're not even aware of that's fueling and feeding this discouragement towards your writing. And it may be totally separate from your writing altogether. That That is really helpful. If there was one thing I wish I had done more throughout my life, and I have kept a sporadic journal. It's more of a spirituality journal uh, about what I'm reading, and and I have what I call a positive focus every day when I do do the journal where I list all the things that I'm really, really uh, positive about. I mean, today would be one I would, if I had done it today, usually I do it once a week, sometimes twice a week. But if I had li- written in my journal today, I would have said the sun is out. 
and mm -hmm. that would be one of my positive focuses and <laughs> and and it's that basic uh, yeah. but I wish I had done more of that, especially my fly fishing trips to chronicle all that, which is a kind of a non sequitur from what we're talking about here, but I love the idea of a journal yeah, I use Instagram in many ways as a processing tool because I'm very open on Instagram, but I often am, am kind of grappling with something. And sometimes I just write a short post about it and that really frees me up. I'm like, oh yeah, I, this is where this feeling is coming from and it's not so bad. And and again, it goes back to community and the, the sense of Instagram is I have a pretty big community. And so people start to share their own stories. So Again, if you can share your own discouragement with somebody else, I think you're going to find um, commonality and also encouragement, just knowing that you're not alone. That's a great way to end this episode. Yeah. So should we move into our words of the episode, Dave? Let's move into the words of the episode. So what is your word today? So my son loves words about as much as I do, maybe even more. And he's been saying, mom, you got to share this word on the podcast. You got to share this word on the podcast because he's been reading it in all these um, news articles that he's been reading after the election and the political world is full of this type of person. And it's an ultra crepidarian. And it's a person who expresses opinions on matters outside the scope of their knowledge or expertise. So you get people on these soapboxes talking about things that they're not an expert in, but they sure believe they're an expert in it. So one example is patients think that they're most patients are ultra crepidarians when it comes to medicine, right? You go on WebMD and suddenly you think you're as smart as the doctor and you go and self-diagnose. <laughs> or I guess I would be an ultra crepidarian if I started speaking about fly fishing and which, you know, <laughs> thing to fish with. <laughs> what, what, what hook? Or flies. What? We use flies and fly rods. Yeah. See, I can't even try to be <laughs> an expert with an opinion on that so but I, I think that's a fun word it's a big word how many ultra crepidary uh, seven syllables that's a multi-syllabic word it's huge but I think it kind of fits the bombacity of a person who is you know expresses opinions outside their scope so I like the word I don't know if I'll ever use it because I think most people just look at me like well, what is she talking about but with my son I'll use it how about you Dave well let me just say I think the definition of that word is always confident, sometimes right. Oh, then you're an ultra crepidarian. Totally. <laughs> My wife mocks me. She's a nurse and we have so many medical people in our family. My, my brother's an oncologist at Mayo Clinic and my wife is a nurse. My daughter's a nurse. My sister's a nurse. And it seems like all of my wife's cousins are nurses. So we have a lot of experts and people that are like, they're experts. In, in different things, but I am so free to give my advice. And so every time I do, I always will catch the eye of my wife. It will kind of do an eye roll because I, I have now started to catch myself. So I'm definitely, I fit this word to a T. You know, this actually is a nice companion word to Christina's word from last week, which was Ken, which he said is, is your knowledge base something that you are an expert in? So I guess this is kind of a companion word, ultra crepidarian and kin. <laughs> we all have our kin. Don't be an ultra crepidarian and speak outside of your kin. <laughs> you also used the word in your description, bombastity. Is that a word? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to work on that next time. All right. So I'm going to give you my word of the 
episode, and it is solipsism. That's solipsism. how you say it, huh? Yes. So solipsism is the theory that only the self is real and that the self cannot be aware of anything else except itself. So a good example of this would be a person who believes that nothing matters except himself or herself. And so only what I know as a person can be known and verified and that the view of the self is, is really the only true truth that there is. And so if you were married to somebody like this, that would be really, really hard. So solipsism, I thought it was a great kind of a dark word. Uh, it doesn't apply to me, but it's, I think it's a great word that really defines a lot of people, not a lot of people that I know, a few people that I know that they believe that they're only their self and their view of the world truly matters. My son loves philosophy and Every once in a while, he throws out these philosophical ideas, like, how can you be sure that you're not just a robot experiencing everybody else around you? I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, so it's this whole idea of like, <laughs> how can you know that anything is really real except what you're experiencing? Maybe nothing else is real. I hate philosophy, so that <laughs> this word seems complex and hard and something I will never even try to use in a sentence. I think that that rounds out our episode. Do you want to tell us about Road Trippers? You're working on the community setup right now. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about our pre-launch community? So if you'd like to join our pre-launch community, just jump on Facebook and click on Road Trippers. We'll actually have to search the word Road Trippers. There's several groups there, but ours is one of them. It's a closed group and ask to join and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll let you in. And so what we do is every week we host a weekly Q&A and it's Tuesdays at 3.30 on Central. And in this closed group and to this closed group only, we post the link. We also have great fun conversations, uh, threads that happen uh, on Facebook and we'll be doing some Facebook live events soon. So jump on Facebook and search for Road Trippers and, and ask to join the group. We'll let you in. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I hope you join us. It really is a great community and will help you not feel so discouraged. Let's call it an episode today. I'm Melissa Parks. And I'm Dave Getz. Now buckle up and write. <laughs>